0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Interlude Podcast. You are listening to Episode 64, How to Read a Research Study. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude Podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. I wanted to talk about this topic today for two reasons. So number one, next week starts the annual ASCO and American Society of Clinical Oncology annual meeting. Biggest oncology meeting of the year. And of course this year it's virtual because of COVID, but there is a lot of data that comes out of that meeting, a lot of incredible new drugs, new science. I mean, it's, it really is a fantastic, fantastic meeting. There's going to be a lot of information on social media, on the news, you're going to hear a lot of stuff. And I think it's important to understand how to read the data to know, is it meaningful? Does it apply to you? What do I do about it? Is this a drug I can go to my oncologist and get? So there's so many questions. And I think if you at least have a frame of reference in your mind, you'll be able to understand the data and the studies better. The second reason is that with social media growing so much and and there being so many more people on social media. I think it's really important to understand how studies are being presented on social media because very often the data can be skewed a little bit and understanding again how to interpret this will make it really helpful if you're seeing things that may seem too good to be true, um, may not seem realistic. So I think for a number of reasons, this is a really, really timely topic. So I'm going to break today's episode down into two parts. First part is going to be, you know, what are the components of a research article or research study? And although this applies to really any genre of medical data or any topic in medical literature, we'll focus specifically on the oncology piece of it. And then the second part of it will be kind of some pitfalls or things to watch for, things to ask yourself when you're seeing the data presented. Very often, you may not have access to the article. So you may be seeing a snapshot of it. You may be screening a screenshot or an abstract, which is going to be, you know, kind of key bullet points, but the nuances are in the full text of the paper. It is okay for you know, if you see someone posting on a paper and you have questions about it, it is okay to say, hey, can I, you know, can I see some more information about this? Um, it's okay to or ask your oncologist about, you know, can I, can I see more information? You know, this is one of those things where we don't always want to take it at face value. Let's break down the individual components of a research paper. So the, the first part is always the introduction and that's going to tell you the background. Basically, why was the study conducted? What is already known in this particular topic or particular space? And what is, you know, what is needed? What is where or if there is an unmet need? uh, Or what further research or further research questions exist? So for example, if we are talking about a HER2 drug for metastatic breast cancer. You know, the paper might start off by talking about what HER2 positive breast cancer is, the challenges in treating metastatic breast cancer, the challenges in treating HER2 positive metastatic breast cancer, and where we need more information. And that, for example, is going to be treatment of brain metastases or spread of cancer to the brain in HER2 positive cancer. So it's going to frame that. It's going to tell you what drugs already are approved what the standard treatment is and then where we need more information so that's all going to be found in the introduction it's also going to tell you why this particular study was done and it's going to give you one or two lines about the study itself so it's it's really it's setting the stage so if you think back to you know writing in elementary school or high school where you were told you know, college college, we always said, you know, the, the beginning part of the paper is going to tell you what it's going to tell you. The middle part is going to tell you, and the se- the last part is going to tell you what it told you. So that's kind of how a research study is, too. So the introduction is going to tell you what's to come. So that's part one. Next, we head into the methods. And the me- methods are the nuts and bolts of the study. So how was the study done? What kind of study is it? So this is where you're going to find information about whether it is a phase one, a phase two, a phase three, phase four study. And phase one studies are really very early. The first studies to be done in humans, they're looking for safety. Is this drug safe? That's really all they're looking for. And they're looking to find the dose of the drug that is safe, that is Um, doesn't have any significant side effects, things like that. And then as you increase, phase two is going to look at a larger population. And that's really a test of efficacy. So does this drug work? And then phase three, if, if the study, the drug has kind of passed phase one and phase two, phase three is really is a much larger scale study. And that is looking at usually it's a study where you have half the population get the drug and half the population not get the drug. And you're gonna look and see if it's effective. Phase four trials are kind of known as uh, confirmatory trials or post-marketing surveillance trials. So this is after a drug, um, you know, receives permission or approval by the FDA. It's kind of continued study of this drug to make sure that, you know, we're still seeing the same safety signals and the same efficacy data. Additionally, you may see preclinical trials. So these are trials done in animal models in cell lines. And and that's the, the earliest stuff. And that's nowhere near where we need to be in terms of getting this drug approved. But all of these all new drugs have to pass through this process. And it can take a decade plus to bring a drug to market. And that's a big problem. So the the methods section is going to give you that information. It's going to tell you, um, you know, where, who approved the study, um, who is in charge of the study, and then it's going to tell you about which patients were eligible for the study. This is really important. You may see something online or in the news about this amazing drug. You have to then go to the methods and say, well, is this applicable to me? So if the drug is for HER2 positive, stage four breast cancer, but you have stage one estrogen receptor positive for two negative breast cancer, this drug is amazing, but it doesn't apply to you. It also matters. So we need to know, you know, what patients were eligible, where they are in their treatment. Um, You know, for example, a lot of drugs for metastatic cancer will say you have to have had, you know, this many lines of prior therapy. So that's important. It's going to tell you what characteristics excluded patients. So for example, if they have heart disease, if they have lung problems, whatever, they may be excluded from the study. So that's all going to be in there. And then it's going to tell you exactly the treatment that was given, the dose, the schedule, how often, when, for how long, what was allowed to be given with the drugs, what what was not allowed to be given and it is going to tell you, um, at least in cancer trials, how often patients were monitored with scans and with which scans. It's lastly going to tell you the statistics that were used to then generate the results. So we'll come to that in a little bit. For preclinical studies, that's a whole other area, um, and that's going to show you, you know, the method sections tells you really more about the basic science experiments, cell lines, how the individual experiments were conducted, and that can be very challenging to read and understand. So so now we get to the results. So remember, the introduction has told us why we're doing the study, the methods is telling us how the study was done, and the results are going to tell us, well, what were the results of the study. So let's focus again on clinical trials. And again, how the results or what the results show really depends on the type of study that it is. Phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four. So phase one study is going to really focus on the safety. What were all of the side effects that people experienced? Did they need a dose reduction? What was what's called the maximum tolerated dose, which is just what it sounds like. What was the dose that was tolerated without significant dangerous side effects? So the phase one study is really, and and it may touch on, you know, how many patients had improvement in their disease or control of their disease, but it's the, the goal of that is not really looking for efficacy. It's really looking for safety. And then as we get into phase two and phase three, we've already established that the drug is safe. So now we want to see, does it work? Does it prolong outcomes? Now, when we get into outcomes, there are a lot of terms that are used. You might see things like overall survival, which is really the most important one. Are patients living longer as a result of having this treatment? Overall survival can be difficult to measure in, for other reasons, but so you might see other endpoints like progression-free survival. So how long are patients surviving or living without their cancer progressing there are other endpoints like invasive disease-free survival. And so all sorts of different endpoints, but that will be very well established in the paper. So you will know reading it what the endpoint is that they're looking at. And depending on where or how the study is being done in which setting, is it done in metastatic disease? Is it done in, you know, adjuvant treatment, meaning after surgery? Is it done in the neoadjuvant setting before surgery? So all of that will guide the endpoint that is used. So in the phase two and phase three studies, it's really gonna be broken down into efficacy in the results section. Again, does the drug work? So for example, if patients are living longer as a result of being on this drug compared to a different drug, by how much are they living longer? And this is important because although a drug may prolong survival, if it prolongs survival by two weeks, does that really mean anything? Does that clinically relevant or clinically meaningful? So, that, you know, the numbers here become important. And then the second part will be safety. Was it, was it safe? Now we know the drug is safe because it's kind of passed through the original studies, but now you're studying it in more patients. Have you developed, you know, discovered any new safety signals? Often the drugs are being combined with other existing drugs So have we discovered anything new as a result of this combination, things like that. Now, remember I said, we were going to come back to the statistics. So the statistics are going to be described in the methods section. It's going to tell you um, things like how many events or how many, you know, events, meaning like how many episodes of progression or death were needed to provide something called power to detect a benefit of the drug that gets very, very complicated. But the bottom line is that it's going to tell you, you know, the investigators think that this drug, you know, may reduce the risk of recurrence by, say, 20%. Okay, I'm just making this up. And the, the, the statisticians have determined that in order to detect this, you need to enroll you know this many patients and something like that. So all of that information is going to be in the method section. And then in the results, when they tell you, um, you know, when they tell you, all right, this drug prolong survival or decrease the risk of recurrence by this much, they'll tell you whether something is considered statistically significant. I'm not going to go into statistics here because I am not a statistician and that's not the goal of this. But the point of whether or not something is statistically significant helps us figure out if the result is due just to chance or whether there's, you know, there's a factor of interest. So whether the drug that you're studying actually contributed to this benefit. And this is the part of the paper that can be hard to read because it's a a, it is a lot of statistics but at least you'll understand the basics behind it so that's going to be the results section so now we know all right we know why the study was done we know how the study was done and we know what the study showed and that's going to lead us to the discussion section and the discussion section is essentially going to sum up the entire study it's going to go through, again, you know, why and how this study was done, but very briefly. And it's going to really break down the results for us. So what does that mean? So you may be reading the study and saying, wow, this drug is great. The discussion is going to explain, is it really great? Um, and it's also going to talk about a couple of things. So it's going to kind of put the results into context with what we know about that cancer type or that cancer treatment. So it, it's gonna say this matches up with what we already know. This adds to the literature in this way, this adds to the science in this way. So it's gonna put it into context. So after reading the discussion, you should have a better idea of how to think about this drug or this study in relation to other studies. A key part in the discussion is going to look at the limitations of the study. So no study is perfect. All studies have some sort of limitation. You know, the, the limitations can vary. They may have to do with a, you know, maybe a particular patient population that was excluded. You know, for example, if it's in metastatic disease and they included patients who had only had, you know, one to three prior lines of therapy, and I have a patient that's had five prior lines of therapy, you know, is this study generalizable to them? So kind of things like that, but it makes you Really put the study again into perspective and into context and finally this the the discussion is going to talk about you know it's going to give you a conclusion and then it's really going to talk about well what would be next you know what are further directions or further analyses that need to be performed Now, if it's a very early stage study that was successful, the next steps are obviously studying it in a bigger population. If it's a phase three study, so they, there's a large population tested, half the people got the drug, half the people didn't, then the drug is effective. The next step is usually moving towards FDA approval. In, when you have big meetings, big uh, oncology meetings, and there's a lot of new, science presented so a lot of times the data has not been presented before has not been published before and very often with major major new major major studies that have the potential to be practice changing they will make the news uh the sometimes the article or the study sorry is presented at the same time that a paper is or the the results of the study are published in a big oncology journal, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's yet FDA approved and it can take some time for a new drug to go from publication to FDA approval. So it was caution people about, you know, interpreting the data that way. So here we have it. That's how you're going to interpret a clinical trial, four sections, introduction, methods, results, and discussion. Even if you don't have the full paper, you should, you always will be able to Google and get the abstract at least. And the abstract is going to have all of those four sections, but condensed into a very short paragraph, but at least you'll have an idea and you'll be able to understand the study. So the abstract won't give you all the nuances, but it can at least help you start framing the study and thinking, is it something that's applicable to me, to someone I know, or is it really in a completely different area? That's part one of this episode. Part two, I want to talk very quickly about five things that you want to pay attention to when you're reading the study. So now we know how to read the study, how to interpret it. So number one, who was the study done in? Again, you may see a headline that says, you know mushrooms are the best for cancer and you might go oh my gosh i have to start eating all the mushrooms maybe but you got to look and see who who was the study done in if it was done in cell lines or mice well that's not totally applicable to humans we don't want to jump to conclusions what i mean by this is that we can't generalize from a basic science or preclinical paper to what people should be doing. Now, sometimes the intervention is so harmless that it's not a big deal, but a lot of times, you know, it can, it may not be the best thing to do. Additionally, you may have a drug, you know, that's tested in cells and has a lot of activity and people are really excited about it. But that does not mean we're going to start using it in humans without human data. Now, I get that the human studies take so long to do and there's a big push to, addressing these issues, but still, we don't want to generalize if it's not the right population. Along with that brings me to number two. So what patient population was the study tested in? So so now we're talking about patients, participants in the study. Again, you want to look at the type of cancer, the stage of the cancer, things like estrogen status for two status, the prior treatments, where it's positioned in the metastatic setting in the adjuvant and the neoadjuvant setting. Because again, just because something is great in metastatic disease, we have seen time and time again, that it may be great in one setting, but it doesn't work in another setting. So we don't over, you know, we never want to jump from it's a metastatic study, but now we're going to start using it in stage one cancer. So number three is really looking at what the study results show. And this is going back to what we talked about when we talked talking about how to, how to read the study. What I mean by this is, again, what are the numbers? Does it prolong survival? Does it prolong progression-free survival? At what cost? So I think knowing what your goals are and knowing how to interpret that data becomes really, really important. Number four, does the study apply to my particular cancer diagnosis? So that's going to go again, along with what we've been talking about, you know, is it applicable for you, for someone, you know, if you're an advocate, is it applicable to which group of patients is it applicable to? And then number five is the drug FDA approved and available. So clinical trials may look at new drugs, but they also may look at drugs that are already FDA approved and may look at them in a new setting. So we have to think, is this something if this drug, this is a really exciting study and it's positive and it's people are living longer, and they're doing well on this drug in the study, you know is this something that, you can go to your oncologist's office the next day and ask to be put on if it's applicable to you. Very often it's not, you know, very often the drug needs to be approved by the FDA, whether it's a new drug or it's a new indication for that drug. And so you have to kind of sometimes temper your excitement if the drug's not yet available. Maybe that there is a clinical trial that is applicable to you, and that's something that you would either start with talking to your oncologist about or checking out clinicaltrials.gov, which is a great resource. It can be a little hard to navigate, but it can be helpful. But the point being is that you have to know how to read the data and then to then take it to the next level and say, is this something that is important to me, to someone I know, etc. cetera. I will say that you don't have to, you, you don't have to know how to read the studies. You don't, you can, you know, it's absolutely okay. And, and you should do this. If you hear something on the news and you just call your oncologist and say, look, I read about this. Is this applicable for me? Totally, I want you to do that. But there are some who want to take it one step further who really want to know the data to advocate. And so this is some helpful tips on how to start that process. I really get that cancer research is hard. As a fellow in oncology, you spend a lot of time learning how to interpret studies and learning how to, what they mean. And we have a lot of journal clubs, which are designed to evaluate journal articles. And there are a lot of great journal clubs on social media, on Twitter, on Clubhouse that are a great way for for anyone who's interested to interact with other patient advocates, with other providers, with healthcare professionals, and a great way to start having these conversations. But I want you to have the tools available to equip yourself, be able to participate in those conversations, to be able to understand what people are talking about. And I hope this is this podcast episode is a great way for you to start to be start being able to do that to sum all of this up understand why the study is being done who it's done in and what the results show and how it is placed into context with what's already available and out there and what are the next steps I hope you found this episode helpful. I hope it helps you to start thinking about how to frame cancer treatments, how to frame cancer studies. You can find me at Dr. Doplinsky on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you did enjoy this episode or any prior episodes of the podcast, I would be honored if you could take a moment to leave a rating and review over an Apple podcast or iTunes, as that is really by far the best way to help get this show to more listeners. Thank you all, and I will see you soon.